Monday night, May 6th at the Hyatt Regency in San Francisco. You're invited to join athletes and celebs at the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame Enshrinement Dinner. Be there to celebrate this year's class featuring Olympic swimmer Jenny Thompson, San Jose Earthquakes legend Chris Wondolowski, Niners Super Bowl hero John Taylor, Sharks icon Patrick Marlowe, and the architect of the Giants dynasty, Brian Sabian. Be a part of this star-studded evening benefiting Special Olympics Northern California. To purchase tickets, visit Bayshoff.org. That's B-A-S-H-O-F.org. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. Hughes twists away from Lindblom, circles back, keeps it in, picks up speed, goes toward the left-wing circle, throws it in front, and it's tipped wide by Brock Besser. How about this shift for Hughes? He's got it again, circumnavigating the shark zone. He moves into the left circle. He shoots. He scores! Quinn Hughes, a spectacular 20 seconds, holds onto the puck and shows that he can control the game, and he gets his first goal of the season to make it 4-1 Vancouver. Uh, I think committing to defense is uh, an integral part of the game, and I've mentioned that a few times already tonight. I think that's, you know, we need to get back to defending hard, and um, when you defend hard, you create offensive chances because other teams are stretching for offense, and everyone wants to score. I mean, it's natural when you go on the ice, you want to score. No one wants to check for 60 minutes, but you got to realize that if you're going to check hard, you're going to get the chances to score. And, um, I think we've, we've gotten away from that for periods of the year, and it's, it's bit us. All right, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome as we get ready for another day of Sharks hockey and the last home game of 2022. Let us hope, let us hope that Sharks hockey in the year of 2023 will produce more wins at home. If I have a New Year's hope, if I have a New Year's resolution, I resolve to see more winning Sharks hockey in 2023 on San Jose ice. That's my big hope goal. It's not to eat better. It's not to exercise more. It's not to be a better man or a better father or a better husband. Anyone can do those. I resolve to see more Sharks wins at home. And even though it is out of my control nearly entirely, I like to think that as the Sharks players must surely, surely be obsessed with what I have to say about them, that they're going to listen to this and be like, you know what? Ted's right. We need to win more at home. We need to be better on home ice. And then the lights will shine down from above and it will lead them to glory or not. Either way, you know where it starts right now at the very least? It starts with defense because that has been the biggest and most glaring, obvious problem for the Sharks as of late. And we have gone through the many, many issues that the Sharks have had this year. We've seen the second period, starts of periods, ends of periods, turnovers, you know, just go down the list. We have seen far too many issues that have happened with the Sharks as of late to say that they are a uh, a mistake-free team or some sort of team that doesn't have a lot of problems, but... This was a tweet that I saw from my friend Corey Massasak, who covers the Sharks for the Athletic, and you've heard him on here before. But he said the Sharks have allowed 62 goals in their past 15 games. That's 4.13 per game, and they've given up five-plus goals in eight of them. That is uh, it's not great. That is not great at all. And that's something that needs to be rectified 
as quickly as possible. And there's a number of reasons of why this is happening. Like the turnovers have often been the main issue, but I felt like that game on Tuesday night was just not a great example of the Sharks playing good team defense. That's something that's got to get better. They have simply got to be more reactionary. They have got to be faster to the puck. They've got to be better overall because we saw in that game against the Wild. Like This is the thing that frustrates me the most is that we see the Sharks playing a style of hockey that at times looks very, very good. Like that game against the Wild a week ago tonight, it was on the 22nd, they looked snappy. They were challenging zone entries. They were challenging passes. They were blocking shots. They were challenging, you know, shots as well, just in general. Like every time the Minnesota Wild had a puck on their stick, a shark stick or a body was not far away. And it was good in transition. They were better on the forecheck, I thought, throughout the entirety of the game. The back check was more solid as well. It was just a matter of, and you can get into the different um, terminologies that we use for this, and oftentimes Bob Bugner used to say the level of compete, but I just like to say it's doing the little things well. Like There are fundamentally sound aspects of hockey that we see on a routine basis from very good teams that get overlooked because they are so smooth and flawless and without question, without thought. We see these good teams do it day in, day out. With the San Jose Sharks, it is not day in, day out. The little things are not always done well. The thing is, we focus on the big things. We focus on the turnover in their own end. We focus on the bad pass. We focus on giving the puck away and giving up grade A opportunities because those are much glaring. But here's the deal with that. If you switch to the other side, if you give yourself a more fundamental base on which to stand upon, you won't make the big mistakes as often. And that is, again, that is something that I I do wonder about um, how much of that fundamental aspect is being focused on versus the the bigger, more glaring issues. Because I think, listen, they, they both impact each other, right? Like, it is not fundamental to make a blind pass from behind the net, like your own net, I should say that. I'm not trying to pick on anyone in particular, but it's just a play we've seen happen. Just like it's not fundamentally sound for Tomas Hurdle to have his head down at the ice and throw the puck into the middle of the ice when you're barely out of your own ends. And then it gives up a go-ahead goal for Toronto. I mean, these, these, these have happened. I'm citing them because you see the glaring error more than you do the little thing before that. Like, you know the terminology in all sports. It's like you got to be a heads-up player. He's got great vision. Neither of those are happening if you're looking down at the ice. And again, I know that is not some breakthrough thinking, but it's true. It's like you're not playing that way if you are staring down at the ice. And so that's something overall that I think, you know, needs to be more and more ingrained in their game. Not just obviously staring down at the ice, but the overall idea of being just a better team in the sense that do the small things right. Focus on doing the little things right, and I think that will have some carryover into them not doing the big things wrong as well. And listen, I'm not trying to say that David Quinn isn't saying this as well. It's just something that I particularly have picked up on, that when the Sharks play well, they do the little things very well. And yes, they're also not making the glaring mistakes, but it also comes in conjunction with themselves doing the little things right. And Logan Couture talked about it after the game the other night. He talked about, you know, no one wants to check for 60 minutes, obviously, but you know, you have to put yourself in a position. You have to do enough fundamentally correct to give yourself an opportunity to win. And oftentimes the Sharks aren't doing that. And oftentimes you see guys trying to do too much. And that's because the Sharks are at a deficit, trying to do too much, overextending themselves, 
opening up and it leads to a mistake. And listen, I understand that when you're down two to nothing early in a game, you got to do what you can to get yourself back into a game, which includes opening up and stretching the ice and trying to create space. But of course, if the counterattack comes and you're caught in an odd man rush, that's not going to be a good situation earlier. The obvious solution is not to go down to nothing to start a game. Not breaking any news there, but it, it's true. I mean, you are not going to do yourself any favors if you fall behind early, if you get behind by multiple goals, and then you got to chase a game for, you know, however long it takes after that fact. I mean, you're just not going to be in a good position. You have done that to yourself. You open yourself up to problems. And yes, you might catch some breaks. You might catch a power play. You might catch, um, you know, a, a deflection that gets you back into the game. And that's great. You got to be opportunistic. You got to take advantage of the opportunities as they are presented. But I do think that as well, you need to not put yourself in that situation. And I know easier said than done. We've watched the Sharks put themselves in bad situations over the entirety of the year. And it's something that I hope we get them away from that they can start, you know, just keeping it more even. You know, too often this year, we have seen the Sharks be in a game until very, very rapidly they are not. And it was actually something that we thought was out of their game, but, you know, they have had those games as of late where they have been in a game and then suddenly in a matter of minutes, they're not. You know, you give up two goals to start off a game or you give up three goals in two minutes and 10 seconds. I mean, these are not good things, obviously, and it's something the Sharks want to get out of their game. And again, there's no better time than the present. Like the Sharks not being in the midst of a playoff fight and not in a midst of a team that's trying to actively tank because I don't think that is ever a good idea a and b i don't think that's what the sharks want to do i think they are actively trying to get better and so like that's what you have to focus on getting better that's what you have to be overall focused on in terms of being the best team that you can be and that includes players trying to be the best that they can be and i think that one of those players that we all looked at and i know i was looking at going into the start of the season was a noah gregor who was actually apparently in practice yesterday, moved up on the top line to try and see if there was a way to spring his ability. And David Quinn was asked about that this morning after morning skate. See, listen, he continues to get, you know, work on his game. And obviously we all see the flashes of his speed and what it brings. And it's just the consistency with the competing. You know, it's, you know, the, the little bit quicker in smaller areas. You know, when a play's going up and down the ice, he, he jumps out of it because of the speed. But it's just the quickness from zone to zone. And he continues to work at it. And... He's getting better. And I think a big part of that is because everyone sees so much potential with Gregor because of his speed. They know that if he can take that next step in his game, that he has the ability to be an impactful player in the National Hockey League. I mean, I know that I have talked to many people around the league who feel that he has oodles of potential, but of course that potential has yet to be met. He's only 24 years old. I know that that's not the youngest in the world, but there is a lot of room left for him to grow in his career and I think that's what everybody is just expecting. Um, Quinn was also asked what he means exactly by that quickness to zone to zone. Like, what exactly does that entail? Yeah, it's got to be a little bit quicker recognition of situations and just consistently being harder in the battles, which, you know, consistency is the thing at this level. I mean, every guy's here for a reason, and, you know, they do some of the things they do well some of the times, but, you know, the more consistent you are with what you do well, the better success you have individually, and the more success we have collectively. I do think to that end, 
when these younger guys do get more consistent time, you do see that reactionary level coming to their game where they see things ahead of, uh, a step ahead of where they did maybe when they were in and out of the lineup. With Noah Gregor consistently being in the lineup, I think you will see more growth for him. And I think that that's what we hope to eventually see from your, your Bordelos and your Eklunds and many of these next-generation Sharks where you're looking to see more, where you want to see that growth, you want to see that ability take place, and you want to see it lead to collectively better play from everyone. It's like Quinn alluded to. If one player does better, everybody does better. Now, looking at the bigger picture, David Quinn was also asked a very interesting question at Morning Skate this morning. It was Curtis Pashelka, Bay Area News Group, who, of course, is a friend of the Sharks Audio Network. We have him on here for interviews, and he knows his stuff. He asked, what do Sharks fans have to be optimistic about heading into the 2023 season in terms of the direction of the team and in terms of the direction of the organization? And, I, and I'll admit, I was a little bit interested to see which direction that David Quinn was going to go with because he could have talked about some of the youth that's coming up and he could have talked about, you know, just how the team is progressing overall in terms of, you know, trying to get out of where they were a little bit previously with some of the salary cap issues and, you know, just players developing and guys learning his system. And he gave what I thought was a, a fairly interesting answer. Well, again, you know, we've made progress in a lot of areas. The one area that we haven't made is winning and losing, which is really all it comes down to. And as we all touched on yesterday, there are in areas that we've got to improve on that we can improve on. The things that we're not consistently good at, we can be good at, you know, and, you know, you talk about the, you know, we touched on the fact we're scoring more goals this year where, you know, we're probably playing, you know, again, I'm not, I have no idea what was on last year. You know, I, I like at times, you know, the mentality we have, we're on top of people and playing an aggressive style and we're going to continue to get better at it. And, you know, we've got a core of really good players here and, you know, I think there's a lot of room for growth here and we're going to continue to work at it. I think what he brings up, though, is one of the reasons why fans are relatively hesitant. There are a good core of players here in San Jose. Logan Couture, Timo Meyer, Eric Carlson, Tomas Hurdle. Those are the four that we talk about right now more than anyone else. It used to be Brent Burns included on that list of players as well. But Brent Burns is already gone, and we have heard the chatter from outside that you could see any shark except for Tomas Hurdle be on the block. And I think that does leave fans a little bit hesitant in terms of where they want to be on their franchise in terms of feeling good about it, because you don't know whether they are building or you don't know whether there is still a restructuring going on. You don't know whether or not it is the right time to invest in that jersey for an Eric Carlson, or you don't know whether or not it is the wrong time to buy that Timo Meyer sweater. I mean, that's that's literally something that fans have told me. And I don't bring that up to be punitive or anything, but I think this is, listen, ask the A's. You know, they have gone through this before where they've been in these situations where you don't know whether or not you want to buy that jersey. And I understand it. Fans and their hard-earned money, they should be very, very careful about what they spend in anything. Not just sports, not just, you know, the entertainment world. It's everything. Because more than the financial investment of being a sports fan, which can be large, let me tell you, but the emotional investment of being a fan is probably even greater. It's like you're going to put time into this. You are going to ride the ups and downs with this team, and you're going to ride ups and downs with players. Eric Carlson, while being on a not great team, is giving Sharks fans something great to watch on a night-in, night-out basis. I mean, that cannot be denied. Eric Carlson, right now, 
on pace for 109 points. That would be one of the greatest seasons ever had by a defenseman. And considering he is doing it on a not great team is even more impressive, right? Like the fact that he's not surrounded by the talents that some other teams have makes it all the more impressive. And I, you know, I should temper that though, because obviously he's playing out there with, you know, a power play that includes some really, really good players. So I'm not trying to take anything away from the rest of the Sharks, but it's just, you have to take into consideration what you're watching with Eric Carlson. And that's a great thing to tune into every night, right? That's a great reason to want to buy somebody's sweater because you want to rep that player. You want to tell the world that, hey, I'm a Sharks fan. Eric Carlson's a Shark. He's one of the best players in the world. He represents my city. He represents my franchise, my team. It's awesome. Like that's, I get it. Like, listen, before I worked for the Sharks, I was a Sharks fan, let me tell you. And I will never forget what it's like to be a fan. I can show you pictures of me at Sharks games wearing a Sharks sweater. Like, I've been there, done that. But to bring it back full circle, I think everybody just is kind of waiting for what is going to happen next. It's not so much about the optimism right now. It's because everybody knows this year is a lost year unless something drastically changes. But I think it's just more of knowing the concrete direction of where things are going to be in a year's time or two years time. And I think that's probably what was happening this year. There was a certain level of evaluation happening by Mike Greer and his staff. And everybody knew like Logan Couture said it when, you know, there was a new general manager coming in after Doug Wilson stepped down. He said that, you know, no, nobody should be comfortable. Everybody should understand that there are going to be changes. And I think that that's, you know, the, the first step we saw was Greer being hired and then Brent Burns getting an opportunity elsewhere. And we'll see what more changes are coming as we get closer and closer to the deadline, but I think that's the bigger issue right now is that people just aren't sure of what or where this team will be in a few months' time. I think that's just part of the issue. And if we get to the deadline and players are shipped off, I don't think fans are going to have some revolt. They're going to know what was coming, but I think you know that's what people are waiting for. There is a sense of what is going to happen next with this team. Like, when is the decision going to be made? Who are the players? Who is the future? What is this team going to look like? And listen, this is not easy. And I'm not saying that Mike Greer is in the wrong for not making these decisions as of yet. I am not saying that fans are in the wrong for wanting to know what's going to happen next. I'm just saying these are all part of what's going on. Because even though, you know, you can hear a David Quinn talk about the great players that are here, everybody knows like, well, are those players here for very much longer? And it's, it's a valid take to have. And more than that, it's like, what is this team shaping up as? Because so much of what the Sharks have been is what the Sharks have been. And I'm not trying to be redundant, but I mean, literally, it's like you're still looking at Timo Meyer and Tomas Hurdle and Logan Couture, more Hurdle and Logan than Timo because Timo was only there for the last couple of years. But, you know, these guys were on some great teams. They went to a Stanley Cup final. They were part of the Jumbo and the Patty and the culture and Pavelski and everything. Like, it's all parts of what the Sharks were. And now you're entering that next step where you are waiting to see what happens next. And even though you do have great players like an Eric Carlson, like a Timo Meyer, there is still the sense that you don't know exactly where this is going to go. And I think the sooner we get there, the sooner everybody can have a greater idea of what's going to happen next. And yeah, there's some time before we get there and it makes things a little bit in terms of lacking clarity, but I don't think that's because there's any you know, secretive nature of what Mike Greer is trying to do. He was very clear, you know, he said, hey, everybody but Hurdle is potentially on the block. And that's a fair thing to have in terms of an assessment. Like you have to send that message. I mean, I think that would be 
a bad organizational look to have just signed Hurdle to a long-term contract extension last year and then throw that all you know, into the fray and say, hey, well, you're on the block potentially. That's I don't think other free agents want to hear that potentially, but I do understand why Mike Greer had to say that and why he had to give an idea of where things were. He didn't want players to feel comfortable. He wants these guys to prove themselves. I understand that. Everybody needs to prove themselves on the Sharks right now. It's it's the little things. It's the turnovers. It's the defense. It's everyone. They all need to prove themselves right now. And as I keep on saying before every big game, before every home game at the very least, no better time than the present. This team has only won four home games this year. Let's make it five tonight against the Flyers. All right. We are out of time. Join us at 7 o'clock for live pregame coverage here on the Sharks Audio Network. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. This podcast can be found for download under Sharks Hockey Digest on iTunes, Google, and Spotify. And on demand anytime on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app. Presented by Western Digital. All music by Yogi Yen.